Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. So we'll start with a little brief kirtan. And uh, the schedule is that we'll go until about uh, quarter, it's 7.05, so we'll go until about quarter to eight, and then we'll have some, uh, some questions and uh, discussion. And uh, if anybody has any questions along the way, what, why don't you use the chat feature and then we can try to, I'll see, let me bring up the chat. Um, I'll try to glance at it now and then and see if, uh, if we can answer anything, any burning questions that you can't save until the end. So feel for, in other words, feel free to enter something on the chat and then we'll see how we can work that in. So starting with the Lakirtan. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Swamin Iti Namine Namaste Saraswate Devi Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavani Ashyatya Deshatarine Jaya Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Triadvaita Varadha Srivasadi Gaur Bhakta Binda Jaya Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Adaita Garadha Srivasadi Gaur Bhakta Binda Jaya Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Garadha Sri Vasadi Gaur Bhakta Vinda Jaya Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Garadha Srivasani Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Jaya Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Garadha Srivasani Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, 
हरे 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 कृष्णा रे कृष्णा कृष्ण कृष्णा रे हरे हरे राम रे राम 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 रे हरे हरे कृष्णा रे कृष्णा कृष्ण कृष्णा हरे 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 राम रे राम 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 रे हरे हरे कृष्णा रे कृष्णा कृष्ण कृष्णा रे हरे हरे राम रे राम 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 रे हरे कृष्णा रे कृष्णा कृष्ण कृष्णा रे हरे हरे राम हरे राम 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 रे हरे हरे कृष्णा रे कृष्णा कृष्ण कृष्णा रे हरे हरे राम रे राम 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 रे हरे हरे कृष्णा रे कृष्णा कृष्ण कृष्णा रे हरे हरे राम रे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा रे कृष्णा कृष्ण कृष्णा रे हरे हरे राम रे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा रे कृष्णा कृष्ण कृष्णा हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे निताय गौर ईबो हरी बोल हरी बोल निताय गौर हरी बोल जय जय प्रभुपाद 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 जय जय प्रभुपाद ओम अज्ञान तिमरांधस्य ज्ञानांजन श्लाकय चक्षुरुन्मिचंगेन तस्मै श्री गुरुवे नमः श्री चैतन्य मनोभीष्टंग स्थापितंग येन भूतले स्वयं रूप गदाम्यंग ददाति सबदांतिकं I'm going to start by uh, <coughs> sharing the screen here. I can find the button here. Um, uh -huh. So I think this should work. Um, I, I'm going to talk just uh, about these four basic things. So, now this, well, over-exploitation, deep ecology and cultural ecology. Number three, Vaishnava culture. And number four, soul-centric and enjoyment that elevates. These are just sort of like maybe a little unintelligible the way they're presented here, but just to give an idea how things are going to be um, 
uh, how I'm going to discuss things. So even before I discuss overexploitation, I'm the title of the talk is en Enjoyment and the Environment. So this is uh, hidden underneath this topic is that I'm going to describe how Vaishnava culture has practical solutions to environmental disaster. So this is a little different from Krishna consciousness. In other words, if, if I were to say that Krishna consciousness has solutions, then I would perhaps lead with saying that we just have to chant Hare Krishna, we have to adopt spiritual life or something like this. So I'm not talking about uh, Krishna consciousness per se, although you'll see later in the talk how Krishna consciousness is involved. Krishna consciousness becomes involved in a cultural sense because uh, Vishnu and Krishna are at the center of Vaishnava culture. So let's start from the beginning, which is over-exploitation. Now there's a lot of concern with different uh, environmental issues, especially uh, highly politicized is the climate change. But in everything that I write and in speaking, I prefer to avoid climate change because it's so, um, it's just uh, there's political polarization and that kind of thing. So I prefer to focus on over-exploitation. Overexploitation, meaning, uh, in my way of thinking, overexploitation is a polite, polite way of saying greed. That we are, uh, we humans, it's part of human nature to be greedy. It's a part of human nature to be attached to sense gratification or kama and greed. You could say lobha in Sanskrit. But it expresses itself in over-exploitation. In the Ishopanishad mantra, there is a mantra that says, Ishavasya midang sarvang yat kincha jigat yang jagat tena tena bunjitha magrida So the meaning of that verse is that one should accept one's allotment. One should accept one's personal quota. It's kind of like a carbon footprint, should we? There's a lot of discussion about our carbon footprint. So you could say that there's a, some remote similarity, just to get an idea what this um, one's quota might be. Because in the mantra, it says everything is owned and controlled by the Supreme, by the Supreme Lord. Anyway, back to over-exploitation. Over-exploitation, meaning that uh, we humans are using too many resources. We're over-exploiting the earth. So it's, it would be impossible to say that we should stop exploiting altogether. We should stop using resources altogether. That's not practical. And even in that the... Upanishad mantra, it says that 
we should accept our quota. We should use just what we is proper for us to use. But um, unfortunately, and as uh, the modern culture has evolved in the last maybe 200, 250 years, <clears throat> or even more recently in the last hundred years, there's been a almost exponential growth in the exploitation of resources. And there's been a lot of attempts to cut this, cut back, but uh, this is a big problem, over-exploitation, using too much, many of the Earth's resources. And those are either renewable resources, we, we use too many of the renewable resources, and we use too much of the resources that are not renewable. So this exploitation is uh, a big problem. And I would say, that many would say, not just me, but I would say that this is the crux of the problem, that we are simply living beyond our means. And the way I like to describe it is, uh, excuse me, I, I need to, I need to find a timepiece. I haven't. Oh, here it is. <laughs> I don't want to go over time. So the way I like to describe overexploitation is that if if I were a family person and uh, I made uh, $50,000 a year, uh, but somehow I spent $100,000 a year, this wouldn't be fair to it's it's going to debt and the way the uh the way humans are doing it is that actually by using excessive resources we're basically stealing from posterity we're we're taking we're we're taking the food out of our children's and grandchildren's mouths so of course that's a very uh sort of humanistic way of looking at it but, uh, and even more important, is that we're uh, disturbing the environment in which we live. We're, we're making offenses against nature and ultimately against the supreme. So let's move to deep ecology and cultural ecology. <clears throat> uh, the reason I, I uh, introduce these next is that these are two, I guess you could say, schools of thought or disciplines. Deep ecology is more a school of thought, I would say, and cultural ecology is, is a discipline, an academic discipline. So just in brief, uh, deep ecology is a school of thought started around the late 50s and 60s, excuse me, that that basically says uh, we're not going to solve the ecological imbalance by um, political means, by technology. Uh, there's a lot of discussion now with Greta Thunberg and with, with liberals who are pushing their uh, environmental agendas. We have to restrict uh, carbon or fossil fuels, and the, according to deep ecology, this doesn't work. It, there has to be 
a some kind of a shift, like a cultural shift. Now, there's within deep ecology, there are discussion of change of consciousness. There's many ideas. It's very broad idea, this deep ecology. But the fundamental issue is, and by the way, uh, the founder of deep ecology in the 60s, Arnie Nace, uh, based some of his ideas on Gandhi. So the idea of deep ecology is to live more in harmony with nature. And generally, deep ecologists speak about things like ecocentric rather than human-centric. We're so accustomed to seeing everything in uh, relation to humanity, but they talk about ecocentric, and sometimes there's a concept of biocentric. But uh, I introduce this concept of soul-centric. At the at number four, you see soul-centric or life-centric. So life-centric is perhaps more ecumenical. People understand that better. So deep ecology calls for a significant change, like a cultural change. So that's where I introduce Vaishnava culture. And this is perfectly natural within the realm of deep ecology because, um, it, because uh, deep ecologists have a deep appreciation for indigenous cultures, for uh, pre, let's say, pre-Western or pre-colonial cultures. And there's a little bias against uh, Christian culture, not Christianity, but against uh, the uh, issues that have arisen, let's say, under the, under the jurisdiction, I guess you could say, of, of Western Protestant Christian culture. So then the second item is cultural ecology. So it's cultural ecology is just what you might think it is. Uh, cultural ecology is looking at different cultures and seeing their impact on the environment. So for example, what What's the impact that Vaishnava culture has on the environment? What's the impact that American culture has, or more broadly, Western culture? Or I would say that uh, my personal view is that American culture is sort of united with European and Australian culture. American culture, believe it or not, uh, some people don't even... Uh, realize but american culture is the or american society is the number one uh dis destructor of <laughs> destroyer of the environment the the exploitation or over exploitation of americans and the the concomitant waste is number one this is how we've definitely become number one in the world but it's not that, uh, it's contagious. American culture translates to global culture. So uh, everyone is racing to catch up to that exploitation and waste. So moving on to Vaishnava culture. Uh, Vaishnava culture, now, well, let me say first that Vaishnava culture is, 
an ancient tradition. It's certainly based on, on ancient precepts. But when I say Vaishnava culture, I'm talking about the, just like Christian culture. If we say that uh, the West uh, tends to be Christian culture, and the United States was uh, founded and developed mostly by Christians or people who were within the Christian culture. It's not that everyone practices Christianity or everyone is uh, self-identifies as a Christian, but the 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 ideals, the influences, the uh, uh, the behave, even the behaviors, the attitudes, the behaviors, these are all based on uh, this sort of 1,700-year, generally scholars say not 2,000, but something like 1,700-year history of Christian culture and Christian influence. Even those in modern society here, and in Europe, who identify as socialists or, or social democrats or atheists, these people, because they're part of the culture, they tend to inherit the, the mores or the norms, the attitudes, the behaviors of the Christian culture. So similarly, Vaishnava culture. Vaishnava culture, I'm not saying that everyone is a pure Vaishnava. So it's very difficult to say how many people are in this Vaishnava culture. Now, I like to use the figure 300 million. There's estimates that range from 200 million to 700 million. So I say 300 million. I like that number because it compares roughly with American culture, which is about 330. So if you look at Vaishnava culture, you see that still it's... Uh, it's very much an agrarian culture, even though it's in modern day, modern society, modern Vaishnava society, the uh, agrarian aspect is, is diminishing. It's still, however, an agrarian culture and agrarian society. And the uh, Vaishnava culture taken as a whole is far more friendly to the environment than the American culture. They just haven't caught up with Amazon. <laughs> and uh, in this country, uh, there, it's said that, um, at least according to my understanding, that now we have the influence of the virus, of COVID, that people are turning to purchasing things. They're, they're continuing their... Uh, they're excelling at their purchasing. The, uh, Amazon is definitely uh, profiting from this. So that means, in other words, what I'm saying is that, that this tendency for exploitation is very strong in American society. When I say exploitation, it's not necessarily in a, when, when one uses things in moderation, Okay, so that's a kind of exploitation of the Earth's resources. So exploitation is not necessarily bad, but I'm using the word over-exploitation, meaning it's out of control. So 
sometimes people say, well, we have clean air in the U.S. I've been to India. I've seen that uh, there's pollution there. Rivers are polluted. Our rivers are not so polluted. We have clean air. But what's happened in the U.S., I'll just cover this very briefly. I mean, there's lots of statistics about this, but but in general, people say, or I mean, uh, experts, uh, environmentalists explain that Americans use uh, about 20% of the Earth's resources, but they, Americans are only 5% of the population. In other words, that's greed. If, if you're past a plate of, of samosas, if you're past a plate of uh, sweets or savories, and you take uh, 20 of them, then... Uh, and you don't leave enough for the rest. So that's being too greedy. So Americans are greedy. So why is it that our air and rivers are relatively clean? Well, since the 1950s, our economy has transitioned from a manufacturing economy to more of a service economy. 70%, it's considered 70% services and manufacturing has gone way down. So, What's happened is that most of the manufacturing for our goods is done in China and, and other Asian countries, Mexico, even Africa. So, so our manufacturing waste, the filth that's caused by manufacture, the byproducts that are caused by manufacturing are uh, produced, I mean, are uh, are contaminating other countries. So in a sense, we export in this country, we export our, our contamination, our pollution. And it's not just the US, but US is number one, but Europe and Australia, they're also number two, they're close behind. And the other countries, it's ironic because other countries are called um, developing countries. I find it extremely ironic because these countries, uh, they haven't come up to the economic standard yet of the developed, so-called developed countries, which actually means that they haven't come up to the level of environmental destruction. So it's, it's really a, um, a, a, an irony. Number three, Vaishnava culture. Vaishnava culture, well, I was already talking about Vaishnava culture, but I wanted to establish that uh, Vaishnava culture, with all its foibles, I mean, we know that there are some issues. If anybody's gone to India, it's not that uh, this is a perfect culture, or, uh, but uh, in comparison, in terms of the environment, there is no comparison. There's no question. If you look at the statistics, if you look at the uh, two cultures. Now, if you take a step back in time, uh, 50 years, let's say before 1992, before 1992, in 1992 in India, there were some uh, economic reforms that introduced more globalization and and along with that introduced more uh, pollution, environmental destruction. So that was uh, one p 
period. And then if you go even further back, then you'll see that uh, a lot of, it was very much an agrarian-based society, much more so than today. And the, the, uh, this sort of uh, Gandhian concept in the early 20th century uh, was very strong. Gandhi was very concerned about uh, industrialization and westernization. And then, of course, in the 50s and 60s, uh, his ideas were left behind. And again, I'm not trying to elevate Gandhi or uh, I'm just saying that that was the um, in the early 20th century, there was a lot of concern in India and in the Vaishnava, among Vaishnavas that uh, they should, or we, I like to identify as a Vaishnava, that we should uh, avoid this, uh, the contaminating influence of Western culture. Then going even further back, before the British uh, influence of the, they say that, for example, one of the influences of the British is the rail system. So some people think that, or many people think that the rail system, train system in India is wonderful. And it is, it's an incredible feat and it connects people. So in terms of modern culture, uh, the rail system is wonderful, but in order to make the rail system, uh, forests were cut down and tremendous amount of, uh, we already cut down forests for our, our pastures or our, our uh, farms, but then to go even further, we, the, again, this is over-exploitation. We, we say, okay, we have the right to cut down forests. We can make our farms that we've been doing for thousands of years, tens of thousands. But uh, then we go even further. We say, okay, now we also have the right to cut down forests and put down a whole, in this country, we have this whole uh, road system, interstate system, which is precipitated by automobiles and so forth. So, and this talk is not about uh, doing away with industry or technology or or necessarily going back to an agrarian life. But let's go to number four, soul-centric and enjoyment that elevates. So now I'm going to uh, show two videos. This comes from my website. Here's one video. Um, so Winston, if this doesn't work, can you let me know? Human-centric versus life-centric. Are humans really the most important beings in the universe? The idea that they are the most important is a belief system that has plagued the West for hundreds of years. The alternate view is to revere the life in all beings. Nature is animated by lush, fertile, active, colorful, and sensual life. And it has rights. At minimum, that life or soul has the right to exist within its form or body. The culture that has a belief system 
that holds humans above nature is doomed. Its tendency to destroy and over-exploit is self-destructive. Reverence for the life or soul in nature is an essential part of an advanced society, and Vaishnava culture has such reverence at its core. The conclusion? Join the Save Earth Now movement. Become an activist and save our planet. So these are just one-minute videos. This is a one-minute video, and there's another one-minute video. Um, you, uh, you can see, obviously, that it's a very sort of subtle uh, presentation. I use the word life-centric, and then at the end of the video, I say life or soul. So that this is meant for uh, a broader consumption than just devotees. Devotees naturally understand the concept of soul. So all of these concepts that I present are based on Bhagavad Gita, fundamentally Bhagavad Gita, because as I'm, uh, my view is that uh, Vaishnava culture, just as the Christian culture is based on the Bible in general, uh, biblical concepts, uh, I mean, if you, especially when I grew up in the 1950s, uh, people would make biblical references all the time. People would say, just like, well, Moses this, or or Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho. or I mean, even people who haven't read the Bible, they know these biblical references. So uh, the Vaishnava society is, or Vaishnava culture is based on Bhagavad Gita. And people may not know every, all the ins and outs, but in general, this is, these, the Gita forms the uh, uh, the sort of the thinking of people. So, what is the fundamental one? One of the fundamental principles of the Gita is soul. That I am soul, ahang Brahma. So, this is a a perspective in which Vaishnavas uh, view the world. Uh, and in similarly, this concept. I mean, sort of by the opposite token, this doesn't exist in within the Christian world. To view the world as that I am soul and that all beings are soul. So that's an important concept, and um, many and some of the influencers of deep ecology that I mentioned before are. Uh, they talk about this this concept that uh, we're too focused on humanity, human-centric. They call this human-centric or, or anthropocentrism. And this uh, idea of anthropocentrism is, uh, for some ecologists, for some environmentalists, this is the enemy, anthropocentrism. So this concept of soul-centric which is very natural in the Vaishnava culture, is it's, um, I would say, I, I would say competitive, that's the word that comes to mind. It's a, it's a competitive philosophy. <laughs> in other words, we have a competitive advantage if we present some of these things as Vaishnavas in 
within the context of environmental movement. So I'm running short on time. Let me do the second one minute video here. This is called Enjoyment. And I don't know if you can read this. It says right at the top of the, on the right hand uh, image, elevated enjoyment, not exploitative. So we'll start this one. Enjoyment. At the root of ecological problems is misplaced enjoyment. Selfish enjoyment honors oneself and other humans at the expense of the environment. Unselfish, non-exploitative enjoyment celebrates all life. The Vaishnava culture has such enjoyment. It's based on the life force, the soul, the essence. Vaishnavas celebrate the gods of nature and god of gods, Vishnu. Such celebrations are joyful reminders that life is not meant for selfish pursuits. Vaishnava culture has the practical solution to environmental disaster, enjoyment. Hundreds of millions of people have demonstrated it over thousands of years. It's a proven solution. And Vaishnava enjoyment can be adopted by American society. A change in the way Americans enjoy life must be adopted. Otherwise, society is doomed to consume and destroy all the resources the earth has to offer. Join the Save Earth Now movement. Make a change. Enjoy life without harming the environment. So that's, uh, this is pretty much my presentation. I, I don't want to go over time, but um, the, the basic idea is that regarding Vaishnava culture is that uh, in my presentation, I describe uh, two basic things. There are a few others that I mention as well, but uh, two important fundamental aspects of Vaishnava culture, uh, Leela and Nama. So let me talk about Leela a little bit. Nama, of course, means the holy name, and we're exposed very much to the Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And in the uh, in Mahaprabhu's Shikshashtaki, uses the word anandambuddhivardhanam. So ananda, ambuddhi, means the ocean of ananda. Vardhanam means increases. So these, this um, holy name has the ability to increase our enjoyment. Now the, the other aspect is lila. <clears throat> if you look in, uh, if you look throughout Vaishnava society, I'm not talking just about Bengal Vaishnavism, Gaudi Vaishnavism. If you look throughout Vaishnava society, throughout history, you'll see that there are Leela celebrations. Even in home worship, when, when people worship in their homes, the Gujarati, a lot of Gujarati Vaishnavas or Vala Vaishnavas, they worship Bal Krishna, baby Krishna. And there's a kind of Leela involved in that home worship. Or going to the temple, Natwara, for example, the, there's uh, one, the, the temple visitor, the devotee, goes to the temple and has a kind of lila with the deity. And the Gaudi Vaishnavas, they also have their, their 
involved in these leelas with the Supreme. And everything is leela. All the Puranas, Bhagavad Purana, throughout the Puranas, leelas of uh, Vishnu, leelas of Krishna. So this is the whole of Vaishnava culture, leela, based on leela, and enjoyment of leela. So, of course, we read in Bhagavad Gita, Rasavarjang Rasopyasya. So that means that we have to come to a higher level of enjoyment. So what I've tried to introduce in the pamphlets and books that I've written is that uh, we have to come to the kind of enjoyment in the mode of goodness. I, I never really use this term, mode of goodness, but meaning we have to come to an enjoyment that's on a higher level that elevates and the highest enjoyment is transcendental enjoyment. And these tend to be in Vaishnava culture. These are based on Leela. So what is enjoyment of Leela and enjoyment of Nama? We can see from the life of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that that's Sankirtan. Also, in my, these writings that I have produced, I don't use the term Sankirtan. But when we talk about enjoyment of Leela and Nama, or celebration, I do use this word, celebration of Leela and celebration of Nama, that is Sankirtan. So I'll stop here by saying that uh, this is a pamphlet that I've written. This is on my webpage here. This is the webpage, saveearthnow.info. This pamphlet is, uh, just quickly, it's called Enjoyment and the Environment. In the beginning, it talks about, uh, I think you can see at the top here, there's this little blue um, subtitle, Enjoyment that Elevates. So different kinds of enjoyment. Then uh, Vaishnava culture, enjoyment within Vaishnava culture. And then at the, in the second half of the booklet, I talk about Bhagavad Gita. So the culture is based on the Bhagavad Gita, the Gita and Vaishnava culture. And uh, at the end, Prabhupada's Bhagavad Gita. And at the back of the pamphlet, I have a little the ad for Prabhupada's Bhagavad Gita. So this uh, pamphlet you can download for free. It's uh, about a 15-minute read. And um, I think I've given um, the basic... uh, Stop share. There we go. That's my basic presentation. I see that no one has asked any questions or made any comments on the, on the group chat. But if anybody would like to contribute, uh, I, the basic idea that I've been, I've been working on this for some years is that this is a practical way of showing how Vaishnava culture and Krishna consciousness has something uh, extremely relevant for modern society, global society, and especially for American society. 
it's some, I'm hoping that these are tools that you can use to present Krishna consciousness to others. Of course, I'm sure that you speak to others from time to time about chanting Hare Krishna and the importance of the holy name, but this is a little different approach. But the conclusion is the same, that our basic idea as a culture is to celebrate the leelas of Vishnu and Krishna and celebrate the names of Vishnu and Krishna. Hare Krishna. Look at that, four minutes over time. <laughs> so please, discussion. Let me hear your challenges. What, what are your doubts? What, why don't you think this is practical? I have a friend of mine, my, my best friend, he lives in, Eng in England. He's American, his wife's British. His name's Rupa Vilas. And he's an extremely good friend from 1973. We've known each other, served with each other in different countries. And uh, I send him everything I write and I, and I tell him, you, you better not tell me what's right with what I've written. I want you to tell me what's wrong with it. <laughs> That's his task. Whenever he praises me, I say, ah, you're not doing your duty. <laughs> so please, tell me what you think is wrong with this. <laughs> I just have a question. Like Vaishnav culture is very personal, but there's also the impersonal philosophy in India also, it seems, intuitively, it seems like there's something impersonal about the way we mistreat nature and the environment. Can you say anything about how impersonal philosophies might be de detrimental in any way to the environment? No, I, I know that uh, our acharyas are very anti uh impersonal, anti-Mayavad, but uh, uh, I've, in this presentation, I've chosen to go after uh, modern culture, which includes uh, modern science and Christian culture. It's a little bold and it's a little... Um, uh, Maybe a little controversial, but it's, and I'm not alone in this. Uh, even there's one Christian writer, one professor, historian, who he also says that it's the Christian culture that's basically destroyed the environment over the last uh, 200, 250 years. So Christian culture, because it's, uh, it has not seen the soul. The way he describes it is that when you see the soul in nature, it creates a barrier for man. It's a, a sacred barrier. So when you don't see that, just like when, uh, let's, take it man, let's take it from the perspective of man to man. So when the conquistadors came to the Americas from Spain and Portugal, they, 
they saw that men, the indigenous people, without soul, so they could do anything they wanted. So with nature, for 1,700 years or 2,000 years, this dominant culture, the Christian culture, has seen nature as soulless. So those cultures that see soul and nature, whether it's impersonalism, whether it's personalism, so I think it's more for me, for my strategy, the way I approach it, is that it's more important to say Vaishnava culture has 300 million people. Now, some of those 300 million people are mixed with Vaishnava and Shaiva. If they're, some of them, a lot of them probably are impersonalists. They have impersonal leanings, but still they're celebrating Vishnu, Krishna, and they're not destroying the environment. I say, okay, that's good. That's enough. And modern science also. Prabhupada was interested in sort of putting modern science in its place. Now, I see on YouTube that there are a lot of, there are a lot of people who are proclaimed atheists, and they say that we're, we're rational. They classify people as uh, you have your belief system. And I depend on science, what I can see, and it's rational. And then the implication is that belief systems or belief in God or having a religion is a, a faith, it's, it's irrational. There's that kind of thinking is, has become more and more dominant in the last 50 years, 30 to 50 years. So I say that you have faith in science to solve this environmental problem. That's a faith. We practice a culture. We, we, we are involved in a Vaishnava culture, and we can look at, at the history, thousands of years of harmony, relative harmony with nature, and what have, has modern culture with this so-called rationality science as a basis, what have they created? So you want to say that, talk about rationality, but it's irrational to destroy your environment. There's the flaw in this kind of rational, so-called rational thinking. And when people say that, well, technology is going to solve the problem or science will solve the problem, this is not logical. It's not rational. It's faith-based. They have faith in something. It's faith that science and technology will solve the problem. There's no component within science that says, we have to control the things that come out of science. So anyway, I, I make a number of arguments there. And uh, for my purposes, for my strategy, uh, I would prefer to, uh, instead of calling them Mayavadis, we can call them Brahmavadis. <laughs> That's a more respectful term, I guess.
<laughs> anyway, so this is this is my approach anyway. So in other words, it's not the fault of the impersonalists. It's the fault of the uh, modern Western culture. In comparison, the impersonalists are fine. Thank you very much. What about the idea of dominion? In Christianity, they have the idea that man has dominion over nature. Which, can you come in on that? Yes, that, that's uh, the way I, when I present the Christian culture, those are the two aspects of Christian, Christian culture that I present. This uh, misinterpretation, if you will, I mean, some people just say it's directly an interpretation to, to exploit nature, but uh, to be polite, misinterpretation, the idea of dominion over nature, and then the idea that uh, there's no soul in nature or in the uh, creatures of nature. There's soul in plants, there's soul in animals. We know because the demigods, there's soul in forests and rivers. How can we say that a river has no soul when, when Sarasati is, is the river or Ganga is the river? There's one river in the world, in New Zealand, that they, uh, They've given that river, because of the indigenous people, they gave the river, the government gave the river uh, personhood rights. So the river has rights like a person. In India, and I think in UP, they tried to, the state government tried to uh, assign the Ganges person rights as a person. But that was overturned. So the advantage of... Uh, within the legal system, the advantage of, of allowing a, a person, I mean, allowing a river or a mountain or a, or a uh, forest uh, rights as a person is that you, you can't uh, just do anything against that. You can't contaminate, a, you, just like I can't, can't dump my chemicals on you, I can't dump my chemicals in so this is one way of uh, uh, approaching. Uh, I think it's a good idea to say that Ganga is a person. It's certainly in line with the Krishna consciousness philosophy. So the idea of soul, that we see soul. And it, I would say that my ideal would be to someday appear in court and say that, to argue that the, that animals and forests and rivers have no soul is a religious perspective. So, that way you could get into, if it would be possible, get into the courts, into the legal system, and fight culture to culture. Why do you say that it has no soul? Isn't that religious? Why do you say, okay, so don't call it soul, call it life? 
Why do you say that life has no rights, that only human life has rights? What do you define? How do you define life? Why, why do you define life in a Christian way or in an atheistic way? So I think the, that uh, these would be interesting fora, the courts and uh, legislative bodies. So I'm hopeful that at some point devotees will see that this is an this is a very interesting uh, platform on which to preach Krishna consciousness. So, uh, Raj uh, Prabhu says, thank you so much for connecting the dots, Prabhu. Recently attended the Apple Product Day. It's good that the big corps are all marketing low-carbon footprint and green earth products. During this session, you connected the dots. The Vaishnava culture is based on green and clean earth over thousands of years. You brought the topic of rivers. And I have a quick question. Why do people in the U.S. and in the West why do they not take holy dip in rivers as like in India people dip in the Ganges, Yamuna, Godavari, Narmada, Krishan, etc. Et I'm sorry, why what? Uh, why don't people in the U.S. and the West take holy dip in rivers as like uh, as people in India do in the Ganges, Yamuna, etc.? Why don't they? What, th this is your question or someone else? Uh, this is a Raj, Raj Prabhu's. Oh, why don't they take bath in the river like they do in India? Mm -hmm. Well, rivers are not, in India, according to the connection that the rivers have with the Puranas, the, their rivers are connected with the devas, devatas and with uh, avatars and Vishnu, Krishna, Shiva. Mm -hmm. Here in, in the West, the rivers are not uh, similarly connected with divine. Now, one thing is, uh, Raj says that uh, regarding the Apple product, big corporations are marketing low carbon footprint and green earth product. Uh, I mentioned earlier, I don't know if you had the chance to uh, attend the lecture from the beginning, but uh, number two, the number two item is uh, deep ecology, and I definitely subscribe to this basic concept of deep ecology. I mean, I don't mean to say I subscribe to it as opposed to to Vaishnava culture, but I think that their ideas are very close to Vaishnava culture. And Mukunda Maharaj and Drudakarma uh, Prabhu, Michael Cremo, they put out a book in the 1990s. Uh, called Divine Nature, they also mention deep ecology and say that our perspectives are very similar. Deep ecology says that these modern approaches to, uh, to the environment, just like these corporate approaches, are shallow. That's the whole meaning of deep and shallow. So deep ecology meaning that it's not going to work unless we can go to 
get away from this human-centric perspective. So when we have an economy that's based on humans, when we have uh, uh, corporations that are based on human products, now this is not anti-capitalism, but in Bhagavad Gita, uh, Krishna says, Yo bhunkte stena evasaha. So the one who enjoys yo bhunkte without uh, yagya, without sacrificing to either the devas or the supreme Vishnu, yagya vai Vishnu, Vishnu is yagya, as we see in the eighth chapter of the Gita. So without sacrifice, yajna, uh, yobhukte stena evasa, he is a thief. So Apple is a thief. They now have some, what is it? They've surpassed some trillion dollars in, in market value. So 500 billion they should immediately use in a grand yajna for Vishnu. This is my position anyway, and I believe that follows Prabhupada. So without using this market economy for Vishnu, all of these things are stealing. Apple is stealing from the earth for their products. Exxon is stealing from the earth. So since they're stealing, who do these, who owns this? At minimum, the devas, devatas own all of these products. So there's an unwilling to, unwillingness to acknowledge that everything is owned by higher powers. Devas or Bhagwan, Krishna, Vishnu. So without these, uh, they're stealing. Once Prabhupada said, uh, I was on a morning walk with Prabhupada in Dallas, and we were on going on that lake. What's the name of that big lake that Prabhupada? All I can remember is San Francisco Stoll Lake. Anyway, big lake in uh, Dallas. White Rock, White Rock Lake. White Rock. Yes, that's right. So he was on White Rock Lake. So we're walking on the lake, and somebody said, "On the other side lives this man, H. L. Hunt." At that time, he was a little famous for, he was one of the big oil men in the early 20th century. The, uh, the big wealthy people were uh, oil, oil people. So H.L. Hunt, and uh, he was uh, an oil man. So somebody said to Prabhupada that this man is one of the wealthiest men in the world, and uh, just mention it. His house is over there on the other side of the lake. So Prabhupada said, what will you tell him if, he, uh, if you approach him? So devotees were saying, Prabhupada was talking about how we're creating good citizens. In these, uh, this was his theme for, uh, uh, while he was visiting Dallas. There was a school there. So he was saying how these are model citizens. We're creating model citizens. So one of the devotees said, oh, well, tell him we're creating model citizens. 
So Prabhupada said, no, you will tell him as he is a thief. <laughs> so I always thought that was a very interesting story. So this was about 1975, 74, 75, probably 75. So, so a year later, I was in Mayapur with Prabhupada. And on a morning walk on the top, on the roof of the, I guess they call it the conch building, the, the Prabhupada would sometimes, if he, if he didn't feel like walking out on the road, he would take a, a walk on the roof and walk in a circle around the rectangular roof. So Jaipataka Maharaj brought this man up to him and said, uh, I want to introduce this man. He's a life member. He's an industrialist. And uh, Prabhupada said, oh, good to meet you. And they exchanged greetings. The man said, uh, Prabhupada asked, so what do you manufacture? The man said, uh, I manufacture glass, Swamiji. So Prabhupada said, oh, very good. He says, what, and how do you manufacture? What's, what's the process? He said, well, it's manufactured uh, from silicon, from sand. And Prabhupada said, oh, and who owns the sand? And the man said, oh, Bhagawan owns the sand. So Prabhupada said, so you're stealing from Bhagawan? <laughs> I thought, this, I love to tell these two stories as, cup, as a couplet because the, the, uh, they show, Prabhupada was telling his disciples, you should tell this man he's a thief. And then Prabhupada showed us how it's done. <laughs> he called him a thief. So you were stealing from Bhagawan. So the man, the rest of the story, just briefly, uh, he sort of stepped back a little bit. He was talking with Jayapataka Swami. So then he came back to Prabhupada. Now one thing you have to know about Prabhupada is that Prabhupada always had a comeback. You, you can't uh, you can't argue with Prabhupada. <laughs> he, he wouldn't he wouldn't allow it. So he came back. He said, "Well, Swamiji, he says I'm giving a charity." So Prabhupada said, "Oh, so you were just a little thief." <laughs> so very sweet. Prabhupada was sweet. It was sweet. Uh, a sweet rebuke, but uh, Prabhupada was making the philosophy clear. So Apple is a thief. But the thing is that there's a world of difference between that man who was uh, stealing sand to make uh, glass and Apple, who is one of the biggest thieves in the world today. So Apple must immediately sacrifice $500 billion in a wonderful celebration of Vishnu Krishna. That's the way the environment can be improved. To focus on Leela, celebration of Leela. Just like Ratyatra. Prabhupada said we can have Unlimited celebrations in unlimited cities, meaning that there are so many leelas that can be celebrated. We can, we can easily spend 
a million dollars on Rathiatra in a thousand cities. So what's that? There's a billion right there. We'll manage to spend the other 500 billion too. Jenya asks, Christian culture versus Chinese culture. What do you think the size of the destruction of the earth is? I'm sorry again, which is what? Uh, can you compare Christian culture versus Chinese culture in terms of the size of the destruction to, to the earth? Well, I think that Christian, uh, the Chinese culture is catching up. I'm, all the cultures are catching up with the American culture. The unfortunate uh, um, the unfortunate situation is that the American culture is at the heart of the, uh, I like to, I like to joke with my Iranian friends that uh, I was in Iran for three years. So there's, there's a saying, they say, Shaitani Bozorg, meaning the great Satan. So in terms of the environment, America is the great Satan. They're the ones who are destroying the earth. And every, unfortunately, that's a very attractive proposition. If I can somehow rather live a greedy life and it appears to be good, a good thing, I mean, the whole, since for the last 50 or 70 years, we've been talking about first world country, second world, third world, or now it's more politically correct to say developed country, developing, and sometimes underdeveloped. So the, these concepts are just horrible concepts. You know, a developed country is the most savage and primitive in its relationship with the environment. Who, who is destroying the environment? It's the developed countries. So all these other countries that are racing to, to catch up, they're, they're in the same boat. I mean, they're getting there fast. So yes, China is, is destroying their environment like anything. But a lot of the destruction of their environment is on behalf of Americans, American consumption. So when I order something from Amazon, it's made in China. And that ch production of that product, whatever it is, it's, uh, it amounts to destruction of the Chinese environment, or maybe they import some of the goods from Africa. So for American enjoyment, consumer enjoyment, the, uh, there's destruction of of Chinese atmosphere, Chinese rivers, African forests, or however it goes. This is the way, destruction. And the result, the, the strong argument that Vaishnavas have is that it's a misplaced enjoyment. How do we overcome greed? If we study the Bhagavad Gita, study Prabhupada's writings, it's enjoyment, transcendental enjoyment, or even the enjoyment in the mode of goodness is not destructive. Passion and ignorance, that's destructive. So enjoyment in the, 
And what's transcendental enjoyment? Celebration of Leela. In Vaishnava culture, there's art, architecture, worship, it's home worship, temple worship, there's drama, there's goes on and on based on celebration of Leela and celebration of Nama. So people can say, well, that's religious. I, I don't agree. Uh, I didn't join a religion. When I joined Prabhupada, I joined a culture. I was attracted because this is a culture. I was attracted because, th for me, I was attracted to three things. Well, aside from Prashadam, that was number one. But uh, Prabhupada and the culture and the association of devotees. So the culture, I think, is a, extremely significant. And to Unfortunately, to say this is a religion, uh, unfortunately, because people in this country and Western countries, they look down on religion. So I just don't like to use that word anymore. It's, uh, it's just, it's like, it's, it's kind of like an, an accepted racism. <laughs> if I, if you say, you're, oh, you're that religion. Okay. <laughs> it's like a subtle uh, prejudice people have. So this is a culture, and it's a healthy culture. A healthy culture in relation to the environment. American culture is unhealthy. And if you have a better form of enjoyment, other than ordering things from Amazon, then fine, okay. But our form of enjoyment is celebration of Leela and Nama. If you call it religion, okay, so fine. Then you, you develop your own thing then. If you think you've got something better, you develop it. But this has been developed for thousands of years. It's proven successful. And American culture is basically an experiment that's proving itself unsuccessful. How can you say American culture is a successful culture when the environment is crumbling? And, and they think that they can solve it through some political means or economic means. The apple will, will change its products to clean products. These, the corporations will change to clean, to green products because they're driven by the greed of the people. And the greed of the people says, we, want, we hear that we're destroying the environment, so now please develop something that we can greedily consume that will make us feel better. Greed. You cannot address these problems unless you address the problem of human greed. And what does Bhagavad Gita do? It says, Krishna says, mode of goodness, you have to rise to sattva, and there is something called happiness in sattva. And we also know about transcendental, shuddha sattva. And what, is, what do we do for enjoyment? We enjoy 
Vishnu Krishna Leela and Nama. That's Sankirtan. This is our philosophy. It's a philosophy of Vaishnava culture. It's not just Bengal Vaishnavism. It's not just Gaudi Vaishnavism. If you go to South India, you see they're having celebrations of uh, all kinds of celebrations of Vishnu. Of course, now it's declined somewhat everywhere. But if you go to Southeast Asia, where Vaishnava culture was spread, Vaishnava and Shaiva culture was spread in Southeast Asia before Islam. You see that still there are many hundreds of thousands, maybe million people still practice uh, the old culture, pre-Islamic culture. And they are celebrating Ramayana and Mahabharata, puppet shows, all this. So how are they enjoying life? How did people enjoy life before television? How do you enjoy life? You enjoy life by some simple way. You have to replace greed with enjoyment. One time, uh, I think it was Bhakti Churu Swami. He was talking with Prabhupada. And uh, I forget exactly uh, what the question, how Bhakti Churu Maharaj posed the, the, uh, the issue. But they were talking about attraction to sense gratification. And Prabhupada said, well, Vishwamitra was also attracted to sense gratification. So Vishwamitra was meditating for 100,000 years. So he also was attracted. So the solution, Prabhupada says, is enjoyment. That in Krishna consciousness, we have to enjoy. That's the way to escape the clutches of the lower enjoyment, the sense gratification, or the greed, the overconsumption of the planet. So philosophically, we have the answer for combating greed. That's philosophically. And if people, nobody wants to hear philosophy. What can, how far can we get if we talk philosophy? People, they don't understand philosophy. This is practical. This is a culture. This is something that you can point at and say, this is the way a culture works. And I point at American culture and I say, this is the way your culture works. Your culture destroys the environment. And then I point at Vaishnava culture and I say, this is the way uh, a culture sustains the environment. So that's not philosophy, that's practical. That's something observable. So I'm going on and on here. Uh, this is way over time, huh? Yeah, that's all good. We've actually got some final comments as well in the chat. Yes. Devalina Mataji says, with great power comes great responsibility. All of us responsible citizens, rich or poor, should concentrate more on how we can give back to the environment and the planet and consume only what is absolutely necessary for our existence. Yes, that's, that's a good idea. I mean, that's a high ideal. Devotees often quote this verse, Isha Vasya Madang Sarvang, 
which means that you should just accept your quota. But who knows what a quota is? So Prabhupada has established this principle of yajna. I mean, in his day, he tried to say that devotees should give 50% of their income to the celebration of Krishna's uh, leelas and namas and some kirtan movement. But, uh, of course, it, it hasn't uh, proven successful among the many things that we haven't been able to do. This is also one of the things. But the basic principle is there, yajna, that if we make something, this is the third and fourth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, that if we, if we get something from... It comes from the higher powers. It comes from devatas and from Vishnu Krishna. So we get something, we have to give back in yajna. So yajna means to sacrifice. And our way of doing yajna is Sankirtan yajna. Our way of doing yajna, and Sankirtan yajna is similar in all Vaishnava culture to, to make offering to to Vishnu Krishna and to to celebrate the leelas and uh, where was I going? Oh, and to distribute prasad. This is part of the yajna that there is a, a distribution. Along with the yajna, there is a kind of distribution of wealth. So, at least in terms of prasad. And sometimes other other things as well. So yes, we should all do our part. But uh, and I think that uh, we need to push Vaishnava culture. It's difficult. I believe it's difficult to push. Krishna consciousness in this sort of traditional religious way. We've we've sort of evolved in this way. Somehow we've evolved to this point where we want to push the Krishna consciousness movement as a religious culture or religion, Vaishnavism or Krishna consciousness. And I think that this is something I've been thinking about, meditating on, writing about for about 15 years. And I think that if we present Vaishnava culture, it has, a, it has the 300 million people. We are representing 300 million people against the modern culture. So I'm a little bit... There's different schools, you could say, schools of thought within ISKCON. But I feel that the Vaishnava culture is a powerful presentation. And based on the environment. So yes, uh, Devlina, Devlina Mataji says that uh, we should um, each do our part. But in my view, our part is to push the 
Vaishnava culture, there's some Kirtan culture. 